of Colorado and the Pod-B-N. Three, two, one, here we go. Still from our houses on Zoom, this is Pod-B-N. I am Tyson. I'm Justin. We are talking today about Ryan Whitehouse, who is very active in the Connect Transit space. Looking forward to talking to him. But first, we want to thank our sponsors, Normal Gadgets and Play Normal Esports, both located at 802 South Eldorado Road. Uh, Normal Gadgets, you break your laptop, your phone, any kind of gadget, they can probably help you out. And check out Play Normal Esports. Right now, everybody's uh, having their kids learn from home. If you ever need, um, they're offering their space for internet connection. They have fast internet. They have a cafe on site. They have people that can help uh, monitor the kids, make sure they're doing their work. So check them out for that too. Playnormalesports.com or normalgadgets.com. All right. I think we'll just go ahead and jump in. Is that cool with you, Tyson? Sounds good. All right. We're going to introduce Ryan Whitehouse. Ryan, I know you work for the Illinois Farm Bureau and probably uh, more interesting, interesting to Tyson and I, you're also chair of the Connect Transit Board. Um, start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started with Connect Transit, how long you've been on the board. Give us a little history. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, Justin and Tyson, and uh, uh, appreciate the opportunity to talk about this. So, yeah, is uh, chair of Connect Transit just took over this July. Um, back in 2012, I remember at, at that point I was working for the McLean County Chamber of Commerce as their government affairs professional. And, and at that time, Mayor uh, Stockton had called me and asked me to uh, uh, to serve on Connect Transit. I'm a Bloomington appointee. And at the time, I kind of was like, mm, you know, I don't really ride transit that much. And um, uh, so I don't know. And he said, well, I need someone on there with some fiscal conservative issue uh, mindset. So I uh, was pleasure to do it and, you know, got reappointed by Mayor uh, Renner four years ago and then just got reappointed again. And uh, over the eight and a half years I've been on there, I've actually grown to love transit and uh, didn't really know I would get in engaged as much. But like I said, I started as really not knowing much about our system here, going up to becoming secretary to vice chair under Mike McCurdy. And then I took over as chair in, in, in July. So, yeah, that's kind of my start with uh, Connect Transit. So how often do you ride transit now compared to in the past? Yeah, so I, so my job, my real time job with Illinois Farm Bureau, right, is um, um, I'm in government affairs there, and and Justin, you know, we've been to D.C. together a few times, and um, I, I, my former role, I'm in a new role now, and um, uh, with local government and political engagement. But uh, before that, for the first seven, seven years of my career at Illinois Farm Bureau, I was on the national legislative team, so um, was out in DC quite a bit. And as you can, as, you know, you've been there and I'm sure, I don't know, Tyson, I think you've been there. We've talked about this on the plane and, um, uh, you don't get around Washington DC without using transit. And, um, so it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, unique or, you know, kind of weird that didn't really know much about transit, got on the board of here. And then my career path took me to, um, locations where transit was the mode of transportation. And again, it just really made me understand how important it is to um, make sure that economies can thrive, quality of place can happen, and individuals that don't have the means can um, live a life. So uh, ride transit quite a bit and 
I try to write it here in Bloomington Normal as much as possible. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, my job before COVID, I travel a lot around the state now with local government. So um, I have to have a vehicle to get around in. But um, I love to ride the system as much as I possibly can here. I think I think that's cool that um, it's kind of a story that, uh, similar to mine where I didn't ride a lot of transit when I visited places, but it became a lot easier once I like just got to know it, understood it a little better, right? Like it was always very intimidating, especially like if I go up to Chicago and riding their bus service or things. And if you'd never done it before, it could be extremely intimidating. Um, I mean, but one, yeah, once you get used to it, it's so much easier to travel uh, if you're willing to use public transportation. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll admit this, right? Uh, it still intimidates the hell out of me. And um, when I started with Farm Bureau, luckily I had Adam Nielsen as a, my boss that understood the transit system. But I'm not joking you, man. It was, it was scary, right? You think, um, I mean, it's not like it's going to, you get on the train or you get on the bus, you're going to drive off a cliff. But I mean, it's almost that frantic of, oh my God, I don't know where I'm going and all that stuff. But um, it, so I understand that, uh, that perspective when people that use Connect Transit, they're a little worried about not understanding. And that's why we try to put technologies in to make sure. And we create YouTube videos and how to's to ride the bus and, and all that stuff. I, I know it's intimidating. And Justin, I agree. Um, uh, last year I was in Chicago and um, went to a Cubs game against, you know, it was a company function and, and, um, and uh, took, the L, took the L up there. And, you know, I, honestly, I was like, I asked like three people, like, this is the right train. Right. And it's, uh, you think one time would have been enough, but, Again, uh, someone that's on the board of transit, it's still intimidating from time to time. It's probably good to have somebody who has that experience uh, be on the board because you understand where people are coming from. You know, uh, if you got someone who's just a total transit enthusiast um, or somebody who you know isn't able to drive and so they're completely relying on it, they they um, might not be as able to understand how to make it attractive and get people over that hurdle. Yeah, I, I think so. I hope so. Uh, listen, I, I'll say this at the get-go. Get I don't pretend to know and understand um, all of our riders on the system. I, I admit that I'm very fortunate that I've never been a transit-dependent individual. I respect those individuals. I, I don't understand those. I don't even pretend to walk a mile in their, in, in their shoes. But uh, there are, like Tyson said, just said, there are some situations that I think I can bring assets to the board uh, with, you know, the experience that we just talked about it. I understand to writers, it can be a little intimidating. I think over the course of what I've seen in the last, I don't know how long it's been, 10 years, maybe, of uh, the history of, you know, Bloomington, whatever, BNRPTS or whatever it used to yeah. be, um, yeah. <laughs> um, to, uh, to connect and just, it's become more friendly. I mean, I was having a conversation with somebody, um, I had a lunch with somebody about two weeks ago and connect got brought up. And he, he made the point of just the bus stops. He said before, like they just blended in and you couldn't tell, like, you know, you see people that wait sitting there, you don't know if they were for a bus. Cause it was like a faded white sign, uh, you know, yeah. that no bench, no, no pad, no, nothing like that. And the bus stops now really stand out. The colors stand out, the rebranding to connect, um, I think was a huge, huge thing that's happened over the, when did that happen? When did it go from where it was now to connect. Yeah. So we rebranded in 2012 when we, we became okay. transit. Yeah. And so I was pretty close about 10 years ago. Eight, eight, yeah. Ten. So yeah. Right. And uh, I was on the board then and um, we had talked about it. So Justin, I, I, thanks for saying all that stuff. I agree with you. Uh, 
I remember when I was a kid, those buses, I don't know if you, Justin, I know you're from around Tri-Valley, I think Tyson, I'm not really sure, yeah. but I remember when I was a little kid, those big yellow mega buses or yeah. green buses that polluted the earth. I mean, every time they push the accelerator, you see smoke billowing out of them. But, um, you know, th- this board has really tried hard. Um, Mike McCurdy, when he was chairman, he really, you know, this was an agenda item for him and the board really got behind it. We support it still. And the proof is in the pudding. We want to make sure that the system is easy to ride. It has amenities. Uh, you know, p- individuals expect um, amenities now, right? Wi-Fi and uh, easy to understand and apps on phones. And, you know, we really put a focus on bus stops and making sure that the bus, just like anything, right? We Businesses have brands, individuals have brands, a public transit system should have a brand. And before it was just kind of an old, ugly white bus with, um, you know, not really anything spunky on it or anything. And now, it, you know, it's an attractive bus. It makes sense. It connects people. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, in the in the eight years that I've been on the board, I think that we've kind of really done it. And it's not me. It's the staff. And we, we, I've just been a small part of it. But we've done a total transformation of the system with the, the rider and the customer uh, of top as focus. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't ride often. Um, I ride, um, when pre COVID I used to ride downtown to uptown the green line all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I, whenever I go back, back forth between those two, uh, spots, I would ride the bus, which was, you know, once or once a week or so. Uh, but outside of that, I don't ride it too, too often anywhere else, but I just noticed like, it's so comfortable, like everything's clean. Everything's nice. I think the stereotype of buses, um, it's changing, but I think like when I was growing up, just what you described with those old smokestacks and, and those type of things, like it's, uh, that perspective, you got to get on it and experience it. Um, one of the things that you brought up was an app. And I remember talking to, uh, Jeff Olke, who's on staff at connect, about an app uh, maybe a year or so ago. And I said, gosh, you know, it'd just be so much easier if I didn't have to have cash. <laughs> and I think, actually, I think this was getting brought up when, when the um, conversation was having with the, the fare increase, because it was yeah. going from like a dollar to a dollar 25. I said, well, you're lucky if I have a dollar, I'm really not going to have a quarter. Um, so, so, so where are we with that? Is that something that's been implemented yet? Is that still something that's coming down the road? Yeah. So the app, um, again, the app is an important thing. We are, we do have an app. We're working on it. it once we start doing the fare collection again, remember connect transit, that's right. COVID, we're not charging fare. That's kind of a best practice across the country. Uh, our riders are uh, getting on the back of the bus. They're not coming in contact with the driver to protect not only the customer, but our employees, which are really important to us. Buses are being cleaned every four hours, deep cleaning. So that's a priority. So we haven't we haven't been taking fare uh, since pretty much COVID, and um, the board looks at that every month. But um, the app, I think, will be there. We'll, we'll come back once we start taking fares again. Another thing, kind of to piggyback on an issue we talked about a little bit ago, is um, our system. We have some systems like the green that's every fifteen minutes, and then most of the, our buses are thirty minutes and. And um, if you miss something, that can be a little like, oh, when's the next bus coming? That app is real time, right? So if it's pouring down rain or if you're like, oh, did I I miss the bus? You can open up your phone, look and see, actually, no, that bus is two minutes away from my bus stop and I'm a 30 second walk from it. So it can help you. Um, see where your bus is and where your bus is going too. So, I mean, again, user-friendly, uh, customer-focused, but the app right now is still trying to work out some kinks on that um, website as well. We're going to talk about it in the board meeting on Tuesday. The website needs to, needs a facelift. And, um, uh, and again, we've heard uh, things from our customers. And so, again, staff-driven and staff's going to – we're going to talk about it on the board to say, listen, here's some suggestions from the riders 
that know the system and know the website, we should probably listen to them and see if we can accommodate, make it easier for them. Since, since you touched on it, I, I'll, I'll dive into this a little bit now, is the fare-free transit. Um, yeah. You know, you, you kind of were pushed to do that because of COVID. Like you said, it was a best practice across the country a little bit. But have you seen those numbers and how they affect um, your guys' budget? And then what's the likelihood that this is something we could continue, um, you know, in perpetuity down the road? Yeah, so, yeah, so um, for the most part, I would say it, it's costing the system about 80000 know, $80, I think, a month. Um, uh, no, 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 no. What was I going to say here? I think we're down about $80,000 since on fare collection since then. Um, so that's uh, since about March, March or yeah, April, probably yeah. April. But so, um, yeah. so we're that's down out of here. like a – can you give a sense of like your total operating budget? Yeah, so our total operating budget, you know, $13, $14 million dollars. Okay. Um, most of that 65, good question. 65% of that comes from the state of Illinois through the, the downstate operating assistance program, which is funded through sales tax, interestingly. So, you know, that's a topic we talk about maybe later, but that's a little bit of a concern to me as chair about what the future holds with downstate op, uh, sales tax on that. Uh, and, uh, so 65% comes from the state of Illinois, uh, about 20% comes from um, the federal government, Normal and Bloomington throw in money. And then the ridership, you know, people always say, um, well, why don't you just, why don't, why do we have to subsidize these buses? Why do we have to pay for this? Um, uh, why don't we just make people pay the charge? I, I Honestly, I can't even put a number. I don't even know what that cost would be by the time you staff. And all. I mean, to ride the bus might be hundred bucks. I don't even know. I mean, I'm just throwing that number kind of jokingly out there, but I wouldn't be surprised. Transit is subsidized just like roads are subsidized, like uh, airports are subsidized, Amtrak is subsidized. I mean, it's it's a quality of place, quality of life issue. And um, so uh, the, the, the fares are not, um, you know, they're not something that's going to make or break the system, but they're there. It's fare free. It is a best practice. Going forward on that, um, here, here's the deal. It takes money to do that. Uh, ultimately, we set the policy for the system, but we have the intergovernmental agreement with the town of Bloomington, town of Normal, and the city of Bloomington. I'm a Bloomington appointee, like I said. Uh, to me, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna, um, I'm not passing the buck here. But to me, I serve the mayor of Bloomington, and with the, you know, with the blessing of the Bloomington City Council, I think Normal and Bloomington City Council members need to decide if they want our system to be fare free and. And if they want to help subsidize that or if they want to encourage us to find ways to make that happen, if that's the wish of them, um, you know, I'll bring it to the to the to the board for a vote. Um, but that's not really my decision. I think that's the elected's decision. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, they're, they're the ones that, that are elected by the people. But let's talk about the makeup of the board. Uh, you mentioned you're a board a Bloomington appointee a few times. So what's the makeup of the board? How many how how uh, how long's the terms? Um, just talk about that a little bit, because for some reason, board makeup seems to be a controversial thing that's happened over the last several years. Yeah, right. Uh, it has been controversial. Uh, uh, mine was controversial. And um, and, uh, you know, I, I little that, that makes me a little nervous, honestly. You know, uh, volunteer public servants uh, should be given the benefit of the doubt and um, and uh, respected and and. Um, you know, and talk to from their elected bodies and make sure that there's an understanding and from both perspectives. But anyway, that's a side note. Uh, but I, but, you know, it's something that really, it, it does strike a chord with me here. Uh, so the board, when, um, when like 
officials start putting pressure on that or when the public starts um are we, are we talking more from like when the community starts uh, talking badly about someone who's on the board or more like elected officials? I don't uh, know no. So listen, the public, I think, you know, they're, they have the right to think what they want. Uh, obviously I don't want to come off sound like a baby. I'm not, I, I, I do this for a living, right? I do government affairs for a living and I, and I have big shoulders. I'm not saying that it's not really worrying me. Right. It's, but I, I think it might discourage other people in the future to run uh, you know, both Mayor Renner and Mayor Stock, uh, Mayor Renner and Mayor Kusa both said that. Um, but I think that you know, I think there's there's some room for some conversation and some growth with some of these partnerships and relationships when the elected bodies. And, and listen, it's not everyone. Let me make that very very clear. It is not everyone. Uh, from my perspective as Bloomington, I have a large support system from that council and that mayor and the city manager and staff. And I'm not saying that, but but when um, individual elected start kind of questioning people's motives and um, trustworthiness when conversations aren't being had with those individuals, I, I, you know, it strikes a chord. And I, I just think yeah. it's unfair to, to, to volunteer public servants. Right. Well, what's yeah. the end game for what, what do they think the end game is to, to a volunteer that's going on a commission, a board or account or something like that that gets paid zero dollars um, you know, what do they think? Uh, are they after power on a connect? You know, <laughs> like what, 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 what is the, uh, what is their thought process on why someone would, would hop on there just to, um, you know, do damage to a system or, or hurt a certain population of people? I yeah. never understood that part of it. Yeah, me neither, Jensen. Um, <laughs> them. Uh, and I when think I started, uh, when I started in my government affairs career, career, my mentor, a guy that used to be a chief of staff or a member of Congress, um, taught me from the beginning, and I live by this, is don't question people's motives. Uh, you don't know where they're coming from. You don't understand the life they've lived. And once you start questioning people's motives, uh, either you're cynical or it's time for you to step away because um, you can't trust people anymore. So I don't question motives. I don't know what their philosophies are. I'm not going to even speculate what their philosophies are. Uh, I think, Justin, you know me pretty well. Um, I'm a pretty open book. I'm a direct person. Um, uh, but uh, I'm always happy to have the conversations. And um, so I don't know what their motives are. I'm not, that's, well, I think that's a really good I'll, point. I'll say this, like you said, Justin, I'm, uh, I'm happy to do it. I'm very, very happy to do it. Again, I'm not complaining. I've done this for eight years. I'm not getting paid. Uh, I'm not, I don't own any land where we're putting bus stops at. Uh, you know, uh, none of my family is employed there. So I do it because I was raised like this to be, um, you know, there's a calling and, um, to, to serve your community. And uh, that honestly, Justin, and you know me well enough to, that I really do do it for that. I, I, I enjoy serving the community. Yeah. I think it's uh it's one of the reasons why we enjoy doing this podcast, have longer conversations with people because then you can just get a sense of um, what people are motivated by. Right. And what's, what's driving them, how they think about stuff. And um, <clears throat> like when we interview elected officials, I, you don't meet anybody who is out there and not because they're wanting to do anything other than to serve their community. Um, but, and you may disagree with them. You may not like them, but I think if you go into a conversation and you assume that the other person's got poor intent and is out to get you, like you're, you're just going to battle at that point. And I don't know, maybe we're, maybe we're naive. Maybe that is how the world works, but I'd like to think at a local level it doesn't have to work like that. Right. Cause you, these are, people we know right we, we go grocery shopping together and our kids play in sports leagues together and stuff i don't so, i don't I, I don't operate that way uh 
Um, I get pretty exhausted with people that operate that way. Uh, I have conversations with friends all the time that are difference of opinions, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, never held it against them. Yeah. But I also think as somebody back to your original question, Justin, yeah. real quick, because I, I, yeah. I want to make sure people. So it's a seven-member board, four from the city of Bloomington and three from the um, town of Normal, appointed by the mayor, approved by the councils, four-year terms, um, and um, uh, chair, vice chair, and secretary are uh, uh, voted on by the board of Connect Transit, and those are one-year terms, um, starting in July. So they they start by our fiscal year, July to June. Okay. And, and so your job on the board, would you say, is to be good stewards of the money you get from the state, the federal government, and the local municipalities and run the most efficient transit system as possible, right? Yeah, you have so a fiduciary responsibility, and, right? I mean, you're... And, and I was just going to say, let me follow up with this. The reason I'm asking this question is because throughout the last several years and, and coming up here, I'm sure in the, in the next year or so, there's a lot of things getting put on Connect Transit from the media and from um, different groups and organizations about how to, you know, we need to do this and we need to do that. Where to your point before, Ryan, like that really, a lot of that falls on these, on the municipalities. Like, do you want free, fair, free transit? Like put the pressure on the right people, I guess is, is my end point there. Um, how do, how would you respond to that? Yeah. So let me say this, and I, I, I don't mean this, this is again, going to be direct and I don't mean this um, rudely. Um, I'm not an elected, right? I'm not an elected official. Uh, uh, and what I mean by that is, people didn't choose me to serve them, right? The council asked me, the mayor asked me to serve and the council um, ag agreed to that, right? So um, even though I find it and it's in our mission and everything to be customer focused and we and, and honestly, I think that you can look back at my voting records even though certain individuals on will say opposite, but you know, I, I think that I have a voting record that cares about, you know, the transit dependent and the um, uh, individuals that don't have the income or, or are disabled. But um, that 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 pressure should be applied at the right spot. Now, we are happy to listen to it. And what you said is I've said this publicly in public hearings for the last three years. And I've said it from the beginning. But the last two years, it seems like we've been in the spotlight pretty heavily is um, not everyone on the board agrees with this, but this is my philosophy and this is how I've operated for the last eight years is the number one responsibility of a board of trustees is the financial responsibility, the fiduciary, right? Uh, we set policy that drives the staff, but at the end of the day, we are there to make sure the money is taken care of and the money is there that we can keep the system operating for the long term. And um, uh, I make all of my decisions based on that. Now, that's going to probably stir... Um, some controversy because I made those statements when we had public hearings in normal city council last fall and, um, and all that stuff. People said, well, people are not numbers. I understand that. I'm really passionate about that. But at the same time, if I drive everything based on people, um, I'd be putting a bus stop on every corner. I'd be putting a bus down every street and this system would be broke within a year. So I know that's hard to hear. But we, my responsibility in this chair, I, I try to try to encourage this is we are trying to make sure that this system provides as much as possible that we can afford for the long haul. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, that's just my philosophy. Don't have to agree with that. But that's how as chair and as a trustee, I, I run my thoughts. Unless that I fiscal conservative, you're, I mean, that's that fiscal conservatism you're talking about. Right. And that's um, I'm imagining you get <clears throat> a lot of hate from both sides because you have, you know, the label of um, caring about, 
well, I mean, and the belief you proclaim of caring about the money because that's what that's what a board of trustees does. They have a fiscal responsibility, and so you get hate from the the um, from the left for not being more, you know, um, not not caring about quote unquote not caring about poor people, right? But then right. you also probably get hate from the right of like, well, you're running this big government program, and it's just it's it's losing money every so you know hand over fist and blah blah blah. Um, like, how do you, how do you balance that? That's a lot of pressure, especially for volunteer. Yeah. So I don't, uh, balance it because, uh, I know that what we're trying to accomplish as a community is right for the community and not everyone's going to agree. And, and that's okay. Um, I'm proud to also admit this, and, um, I'm a pro transit Republican. I, I think that transit is a, uh, can be, and is a conservative issue. I think that if you can put people on buses, less cars on the road, less uh, money that municipalities and governments have to collect through motor fuels tax to fix those roads, um, I think it's a conservative issue. I think it's a um, it's a it's a system that makes sense if it you know if um, mass is right. It I understand that this this our community in Bloomington, normal, born and raised in McLean County, right? So out in Aerosmith, Illinois, and went to college and stayed here, but. I understand that this community is kind of based on, you know, we want a parking spot up front. We drive around the parking lot at the mall three minutes uh, to find a parking spot up close. And, you know, we could have walked and been by the front door by then. But um, I think it, it, it's a it can be a conservative issue. And um, um, so my Republican friends, yeah, give me criticism. Why are you chair of a system that's got empty buses and um and it's a big government program that's bleeding, you know, taxpayers' dollars. And then um, I have uh, Democrat friends that tell me that um, uh, I'm not going far enough and I don't care about, uh, you know, certain demographics. Uh, it is what it is. Yeah, you got to do the hard work. And I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Uh, when you got to do the hard work and take that feedback and figure out a path forward with it. Yep. So I think the key is having empathy to both sides, but still trying to, you know, hit, hit your goals and hit your targets. Yeah. What, so I you've been, so. uh, how long you been on the board, Ryan? So I, I joined in, uh, 2012. So eight okay. years. Okay. I'm starting my ninth. So year. quite a bit's happened. How And I'm, I'm bringing, I'm getting to the fact that, uh, the CEO Isaac Thorne just left. So uh, who was CEO before Isaac? Yeah, so when I started, Andrew Johnson was CEO. Andrew left, uh, went to Champaign, and then went somewhere else. Isaac was from within. Um, Isaac started at the system in like dispatch, and then you know Isaac was in charge of the procurement. Which you know, God, which I would have never known this, but in government uh, entities, procurement is such an important uh, job. And it's actually a big responsibility. It's harder than it means. Procurement, obviously, is, you know, making sure that we get bids and and making sure we buy things appropriately and all stuff. So Isaac, the board agreed unanimously to give him. He was he was number two in the system under Andrew. We get he was interim and then we hired him. I worked with um, Isaac. Um, I think Isaac is uh, was a blessing to the system. Isaac is a man of few words, but he's a great guy. He understands transit. He cares about this community. Um, and unfortunately I was looking forward to him and my first board meeting was July of this year. And the, the precedent was the Friday before the board meeting, which is always on a Tuesday, the general manager and the chairman get together to, uh, to talk about the board meeting. And that day, 
at the end of, at the end of it, he said, hey, I got something to tell you. And, and he said, I'm resigning. And I said, oh, God, welcome to the club. I think about it every other day. And um, he said he was serious. So um, I never got to work with Isaac as chairman, which is unfortunate. But Isaac moved on to a bigger system, a great system down in Tennessee. And um, I wish him and his family all the best. So what, what are you as a board looking for in the next CEO to take Isaac's spot? Because obviously Isaac was able to achieve some of the goals set out in the rebranding of Connect and some of the better bus stops campaigns and some of the maybe the electric buses and that type of thing. What are some of the things that you're going to look for uh, during your search? Yeah, so that's a good question. I, so I think uh, I'm going to be a little guarded here because we're, I'm just not ready to go public with this because sure. our meeting is um, – um, uh, our next meeting is on Tuesday and we'll have an di- executive session to discuss about that and everything as well. But I think overall, we've kind of talked about this. I think what we're looking for um, in general as a board is we're looking for someone that can be financially responsible, understand the system. We do want to see growth in the system. I know I personally do. I think that there's opportunity in our community to see growth in the system. Uh, we can talk about numbers. Our system Before COVID, our, our, our numbers were going up every year. We're the only um, urban area, urban transit system in the state of Illinois to see numbers up in 18 and 19. Everyone else was down. Uh, we were going up. So I, see, I think we want to see growth. I think we want to see a CEO that understands the dynamics of community and outreach and making sure that people feel heard and are heard. I, I think those are two different things and they're both important. I don't, I, we want to make sure that they do feel heard, but we also want to make sure that they, they know that they were heard. Uh, again, let me say this, this is nothing against Isaac. This is not saying that. Yeah, Isaac, yeah, of course. It's just, um, those are the types of things that I think we want to look at. And I, I think there's a lots of potential in our community for our system to, to grow. So we're, we're going to be looking for someone that understands growth and um, um, can help us get past that, that hurdle. Cause it's going to be a big one. So we got about 10, 15 minutes left. So I, I want to make sure I save this for last. That way I'd have a hard stop because we could talk about it forever. And that's a transfer center. Um, and I know it's still ongoing and there's probably some things you can and can't share, but this has been talked about for some time. Um, the, the transfer center right now, downtown is on front street. Um, and when I say on front street, I mean, it, it it's front street. <laughs> like the street is the transfer center. Um, and you uh, connect uh, uh, with your help has been able to bring in a lot of federal dollars for this project. So talk about the history of the transfer center and then where we are today with everything. Yeah. So, yeah. So the transfer center, let me start off with this. This is my number one priority. And this is why I asked the mayor um, uh, for another term to try to, you know, be a part of that and get it done. I think it's a priority. Downtown Bloomington, you, you said it perfect. It is on front street. It is unsafe. People have to cross the streets in the winter, we have to put a bus out there for heating. In the summer, we have to put a bus out there for cooling. There's nowhere to get out of the elements. There's no public restroom. It's just really, it's unsafe. And then on top of it, we kind of talked about it before, it's, it's, it just doesn't provide any amenities that people expect anymore and, and, they, and they deserve, right? So uh, downtown Bloomington used to be the number one uh, station. Uh, you know, we serve 10 buses out there every day, about 1,800 riders pre-COVID, obviously. Downtown Bloomington got their new transfer station. Obviously, that became number one. Bloomington's still number two by far. Uh, so the downtown transfer station has been um, in the works as long, I mean, been on the agenda for as long as I've been on the board. I think it came right when I got on the board. Mike McCurdy really tried to push for it. So we've been talking about it. And um, it's, you know, we, we want to see uh, something that provides a safe, out of the elements, 
public restrooms um, facility in downtown Bloomington. I also think it can be a catalyst for economic development in downtown Bloomington. Uh, I'll say this, you know, I want to see that it fits into downtown Bloomington. We're not, I don't think our board's looking to build, you know, a 10 story glass structure. That's like, what, what, what is this? We're trying to fit into the downtown plan. Um, But, you know, we were really, really successful in the capital plan last year. We got $3 million um, that our local lawmakers secured earmarked directly for this center. Uh, and then about a month and a half ago, Congressman Davis, Congressman Hood, Senator Durbin, and uh, Senator Duckworth were uh, helped us secure an $8 million grant for the downtown transfer state. So we're at $11 million. We need more. Um, but I'm How much con- more? What, what's your anticipated cost of it? I mean, it's, that's a lot of factors going to that of what we actually want to see. But just for the connect part, just for the transfer yeah. center part, what are you thinking? Yeah, so our initial, our initial thoughts were just like a structure – um, that could put those 10 buses and then maybe have a, a few more loading docks uh, for growth. Like I said, you know, we were looking to 14 to $15 million. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I, I won't deny this. I, I think there's bigger opportunities here with yeah. partnerships, with uh, uh, private partnerships and some public partnerships. I think we can, we can do something um, more. What that is, I don't know. We haven't decided on that. The study is going on right now, Farnsworth Group. We got a state grant to that study to identify locations in downtown Bloomington that can host, um, you know, that kind of um, um, center that buses and and um, not only that, but for the safety, right? How can the buses get back onto the street safely or if they have to merge or is there accidents? So once we get that study back, we'll identify probably three to four locations and then the board will have discussions with the elected of Bloomington. I, I promised that when I became chairman and our board agrees with that, that the elected will have a, have a seat at that table and the public as well about what, 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 what we'll do to go forward. How long has uh, Farnsworth been working on this study? I mean, nothing moves fast enough for me, but it does seem like it's been a while. Yeah. Tell me about it. And, um, <laughs> but again, I, everyone says this and it's like, God, I mean, I'm kind of getting over the excuse as well, but I I've seen it firsthand. I'm, I'm getting updates. COVID has been really, really hard, right? Uh, With doing something like this, you have to have public input. It's hard to get people, understandably, to participate in public input right now. They're not not comfortable to come out in public. Um, So we've been working on it since the beginning of the year. Uh, So it it seems long. It's really not that long for a study um, to make sure that, you know, all the, um, um, you know, variables are looked at and, and, and confronted. So um, I'm hoping that mid-October that report will come to the board of Connection okay. and um, we, we will start identifying uh, some locations to, to put that spot. Has the board spoke about uh, what's important to them as far as on location, like uh, especially downtown, like inside the buckle um, out, you know, is that how important is that versus accessibility to those streets that are the buckle versus having buses come down the middle of downtown? Like, are there, have you put any emphasis or weight on certain things as a board? Yeah. So the board has talked about it very um, high level and he, here's why uh, we have some new board members. And again, cause COVID, we haven't had the opportunity to talk about a lot of this stuff in person, but but, um, you know, as chair, even I don't even know all the information, Justin, I'll just, and uh, Tyson, I, I, I know it all, Farnsworth hasn't shared it with me. Um, so I'm kind of planning on this. Once we get that report, then the board, we can, we can start looking at each location and talk about the pros and the cons about it. Because, you know, we might have something 
that we think as a board is a great idea, but then what if a location like that doesn't exist? And then we just wasted our time putting out all this plan of what we want to see accomplished and everything. So I've just kind of said, my thought is, let's find out where the locations are and then we can talk the pros and the cons of each one and then talk about what the, what those pros and cons are, but then talk about what things that we might want to add extra or implement into those locations if we choose that. Is that the right path? I don't know, but uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put more work into something, you know, I don't want to, it's a volunteer board. So I don't want the board to put all this work into something. And then this report comes out and says, well, everything you talked about and wished for can't be done. So it's a waste of your time. Right. So I'm trying to be mindful of everyone's time as well. Do you already have size requirements or is that something that's going to come out in the study as well? Uh, well, there are size requirements and I don't know those off the top of my head, Justin, but there are size requirements um, for the 10 buses. Cause you need to make sure you have them. Um, you know, they can I'm just in. trying to, I'm just, I'm trying to picture like what locations around downtown would be. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm imagining, I, I imagine uptown station. You are not going to get me to tell you, Justin. So, uh, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. There are, um, you know, we do know just, um, um, initially there are locations in and outside the buckle that could, that could, that could hold this facility. But um, even if you have those locations, Hmm. You said even if they identify these locations, that doesn't necessarily mean these locations are going to be available either, right? Like we might have to strategically purchase, some, you know, something. Correct. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. So that, that's very interesting. So you know, what about? Let me just say this: I think that you know, uh, uh, downtown Bloomington has a lot of private property that's being held and all that stuff. And let me let me yeah. just say this, and I'm not trying to be aggressive here, but we've got federal and state money for this. Um, we have to pay, we are only allowed to pay the price of that property at what it's assessed at. So if someone gets this wild idea, it's like, ooh, the transfer, the trans, uh, transit system wants this, I'm going to charge them $3 million. Well, if it's been assessed at 700000 that's all you're going to get from us or it's not even a done deal because federal requirements won't allow us to do that. Whenever I hear about grants being used for something, I always, um, I always kind of want to, learn more um, about why that's the necessary place for it to come from, like why the federal government needs to fund these, these types of activities. And again, you coming from a position of, um, you know, conservatism from a financial standpoint. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you kind of grapple with the fact that we're, we're, um, you know, is this a proper role of the federal government to be building uh you know, transfer stations like this, or wh why do we have to rely on these types of mechanisms to do it? Sure. It's a great question. It's a great question. Um, so first of all, uh, this money is taxpayers dollars that Bloomington normal citizens have paid to the federal government. That's coming back to them. Uh, they have paid that Illinois is a donor state. We've always been a donor state. We put more money into the, to the United States treasury than we've ever taken back. Um, uh, so um, I don't think there's anything wrong with um, in a competitive bid application, right? Congress appropriates so, so much money to agencies to spend on stuff, and then we had to compete for that, and, and we got, got a competitive bid, and we re-rewarded it. So it's taxpayers' dollars coming back to the people that paid for it from Bloomington Normal, right? I think it's a, I think that's a, uh, a wise practice. And then on top of it, um, it's something that the community needs. I think quality of place and quality of life is really, really important. And how, how are we going to pay for this if, if we don't have the federal government's assistance in doing this, right? And I know that people are, you know, might say, well, everyone can make that argument. It's true. But um, 
again, 1,800 people in downtown Bloomington ride the bus every day through that transfer station. And they're crossing, God, what is that, Justin? Four, three, four lanes of traffic. And um, yeah. uh, it's just, it's, it's completely unsafe. So again, um, federal government, I'm also a Republican that believes in, you know, a little bit of limited government, but I do believe government has a role. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You got theory and then you got practicality when yeah. it comes into play. And yeah. So um, um, I, I, I'm not ashamed as a pro transit Republican to tell people that, yeah, we took eight, we got, we didn't take, we received $8 million back that we paid into the federal treasury. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that was a, that's a huge win. I mean, that, that's not just a huge win for connect. That's a huge win for our economy. That's a huge win for downtown. Someone's got to build that thing too. That's a huge win for those people's pocketbooks. You know, we're, just, we're talking jobs, right? We're talking yeah. labor jobs and local jobs and, and, and businesses and firms and engineering firms and all that stuff. So, you know, we just, we just did that report. The uh, Stevenson center just did that report from ISU and, God, I wish I should have pulled that up. But I think for every dollar that transit uses, I think overall it's like anywhere between five and seven dollars return on that dollar. So yeah, I saw that graphic. Yeah. Um, so that's a good use of money, in my opinion. So besides the transfer center, what are some tangible goals you would like to see here in the year? Because you just got reappointed, and you're and, you, and this term you just got reappointed to. What are some tangible goals you'd like to see for Connect? Yeah, so I think um, the Better Bus Stop campaign is a priority for this organization, and we started that. We we started that long before the um, individuals came out against us, right, and said we weren't caring about individuals' yeah. issues. We started that long before. That has been a part of our, our strategic plan for five plus years, and um, you know we've been really lucky again receiving federal grants because of competitive bids that were completely funded by that. The reason we can't do it right now is because we can't build them quick enough. We can't get the engineering quick enough and we don't have enough time to build them. So we have the money to make bus stops ADA compliant. We need partnerships with the city of Bloomington and the town of Normal to get sidewalks to them. I'm not trying to call anyone out, but we can't pay for that. That's that's um, the municipal government's responsibility. But, you know, by 2024, our goal is to be 100 percent ADA compliant. I think that's a big goal. Uh, we also were really successful in getting um, um, grant money for an electric fleet. And we'll take our first uh, 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 four buses next year. Uh, we have a contract between 12 and 17 buses of electric fleet. Again, paid for through the federal government, local tax dollars coming back to us, not local citizens using from the city of Bloomington or the town of Normal, but federal dollars coming back to us. Uh, we'll be the largest uh, downstate electric fleet in the state of Illinois. And um, um, I think that's good. Environment is important. And um, it's not only is good for the environment, but it's actually more cost effective. You don't have as many moving parts and and fuel and all this stuff. And the buses last a little longer. So um, that kind of ties into what I think our community believes in anyway with Rivian and electric. Um, so I think that we have the better bus stop campaign and the electric fleet are, um, and a new GM and the downtown transfer station. Uh, uh, I have four more years. I don't know if I'll be chair for four more years, but I think that, you know, in my four years, I hope we can get most of those, if not all of those done. That's quite a good list. <laughs> I had one more to get done. I had one more question for you. And then um, we do have to drop here, unfortunately, but um, I know sometimes the connect transit gets involved in um, helping facilitate voting. Um, as some like a law and election day. Is there any programs you guys are thinking about doing? 
Yeah, so um, we do. Thanks for asking. Uh, voting, obviously, I believe in it. I think it's really important. Uh, transit in the past, we've always provided free service on that day. Uh, I'm a, uh, we will provide free service on uh, Election Day again this year. So uh, get out and vote. Um, uh, right. We want you to get out and vote. Vote. Vote public transit, though. Right. And um, and we'll get you there to make that vote. But, yeah, we'll 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 provide buses again for free that day. Great. Very good. Anything else you want to touch on, Ryan, before we have to get going? No, I appreciate the opportunity. Love to come back eventually yeah. and talk about where we are and um, the success. Maybe once that study's done, we want, we want to we want to start talking about that transfer center for sure. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah no thank problem. You. Thanks, Ryan. And also, thank you to our sponsor, Play Normal Esports and Normal Gadgets. Uh, go and check them out. Like Justin mentioned, they are open for business and trying to adapt to this new world that we're in. So go check out what's going on there. And uh, it's going to start to get cold here, unfortunately. And uh, taking a break from your house, going over, playing some video games over at Play Normal Esports might be just the thing. All right. We are done.